Welcome to the United by Strength podcast. Hard work knows no gender, race, sexuality, or creed. It is the universal building block upon which successful tribes are built. Here, you will learn from powerlifting coaches, gymnastics coaches, CrossFit coaches, nutrition coaches, and strongman coaches. We collaborate and share best practices and want to bring our experience and continuing education to you. My name is Grant Shimsky. And I'm Chanel. She's back. (laughs) And this episode, uh, we are going to be talking about park workouts, keeping it simple. And uh, just some uh, tips, talking through uh, some of the logistics of the things we're planning. Um, We're coming out of the back end, hopefully, of this coronavirus epidemic. And uh, our state, being here in Michigan, we're way behind uh, many of the other states. And so um, our gyms are not able to be open yet to the public, uh, but we are able to do things in parks and in outdoor spaces. So we are going to be launching those classes next week. And so preparing for that, I wanted to take down some notes in terms of ways that we can get prepared for those transitioning from these uh, scripted online classes that kind of go a specific way to the chaos of the real world back again with, uh, you know, what might be for many people and especially in our circumstance, you know, unknown numbers of people, unknown amounts of equipment and having to improvise on the fly. So those of you who have been in the game in the CrossFit coaching and and training game for a long time may recognize this as the old school of CrossFit park workouts. Like it's where it began. It was the original and, and still effective way of launching your CrossFit gym was, you know, uh, like skaters, just avoiding the cops and using free space, uh, working out with people in parks and, uh, public, public areas. And, uh, until you get a big enough of a following and people wanting to give you money, uh, to the point where you can rent yourself a little space and, and get your gym launched from there. Uh, it's the way CrossFit gyms have started for a, a long time. However, however, more, more recent gyms, including ours, uh, have not opened that way. And so, uh, and many trainers, newer CrossFit trainers, especially, and, and myself included, I was not of the generation that um, started doing CrossFit in parks. Um, so this is going to be interesting to go back and kind of, it's going to be fun, nostalgic uh, for many, I'm sure, to go back to um, doing this the old fashioned way. Uh, really will get us back down to the roots and focusing on the fundamentals uh, and learning to appreciate uh, what you actually need uh, to give people world-class fitness as opposed to um, what you what you think you might need. Uh, so covering, you know, that we must be coaching outside right now. Um, our gym in particular it happened to have checked out equipment to a lot of our um, athletes. So it's an interesting circumstance now in that, you know, we're going to be doing these uh, park workouts without a whole lot of equipment because the gym is almost completely empty. We've got uh, very little equipment on hand uh, and what it is is kind of mismatched and a lot of the stuff that people don't really want to take. So it's going to be interesting to make this work. We're going to be doing it with very little stuff. So I'm going to go down the list. Chanel and I are going to go down together through this uh, of breaking it down. We're, We're taking this straight from the CrossFit 
uh, lesson planning online course, which I highly recommend to all coaches of any level, one, two, three, or four. Uh, very, very helpful in terms of learning how to plan ahead and be systematic in your approach to your classes. Um, it doesn't matter the size of the class or the type of programming that you use. The lesson planning course is very, very, very helpful. So we're going to go through that. I've added a few points in here just for what happens in reality, uh, starting with pre-class. So this is the part of the uh, event where people are showing up and saying hi, pulling up in their cars and walking up. This is prior to minute one of your class. And... Uh, I don't know. We're, we're kind of freeballing with this a little bit, but uh, my initial guess is that, uh, especially at first, uh, if you're used to coaching classes in the gym, it's going to be kind of interesting because a lot of these people are coming out of quarantine after a long period of time, and many of them may have never worked out in a park before. So I think coaches are going to need to be extra sensitive to that and be really making an effort to welcome people, you know, um, and, and get them in being very friendly and outgoing. Um, you're in an outdoor area. Your voice doesn't carry nearly as well as, uh, as it does in an enclosed echoing kind of area and a empty gym, but, uh, being big present and, uh, getting people excited about being there, uh, out in the park, especially if the weather is not perfect too, that tends to uh, make people a little poopy. So, uh, I think the pre-class part, uh, especially with the you know social distancing guidelines that we're going to need to be dealing with, you're going to need to think ahead about how you're going to uh, grease up you know your class with that social lubricant, getting people to say hi to each other, greet each other, get to know each other without shaking hands, hugging, and uh, all those other things that CrossFitters love to do. So have some ideas there. Pr plan some um, pre-class icebreakers. Chanel, I know you have some stuff where – what do you like to do while you're waiting for the kids' class to start? Oh, uh, <laughs> I wasn't. My head was in another spot, though. We'll come back to that. What I was thinking was just before class starts, you usually get to know if anybody has any injuries or issues or anything. And being outside, also thinking whether does anybody have any previous heat or cold injury and allergies, bees, stuff like that, just so you're aware if anything happens during your class of that um, as a coach. When you're waiting for the kids' class, a lot of times you have a question of the day that you like to ask people to break the ice and yeah, the get everybody nice and friendly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, good. Okay, so that's the pre-class and then the whiteboard brief. So this is gonna be interesting in that you do not have a whiteboard available to you. <laughs> so uh, you're going to need to, and I am, Initially thinking that the whiteboard section, we always want it to be, again, it's called the whiteboard brief for a reason. It's meant to be brief, but you may want to beef this up a little bit uh, in terms of scaling, not just for your athlete's ability, but for your equipment availability. You are very likely going to do, I can foresee many coaches out there, especially if you are a coach and not an owner operator, if the programming that is assigned to you versus something you create yourself. If you create your own programming, then this should be not a big deal. Your whiteboard brief probably doesn't need to be super robust because you'll have already adapted this workout and have um, uh, alternatives available. Again, keeping it simple, stupid, like you should be able to roll with this pretty easily. But 
if your owner is just slapping, you know, pre-done in-gym programming on you where you're walking into a park workout with one rep, one rep max clean and jerk on your, on your programming and you're having to figure it out for these people and there's no barbells and no whatever and a random number of people, uh, you're going to need some time to think it out. And when you're discussing with people, come up with scaling options and alternatives for them for that sort of thing. So <clears throat> That's something to think about. Also wrote down <clears throat> sidewalk chalk here. Definitely be a good thing to get some sidewalk chalk if uh, your gym is cool enough to reimburse you. Um, it would probably be a good idea to buy a big ass box of sidewalk chalk and then just give everyone their own piece and tell them to keep it and keep bringing it back with them because you're not, you're not going to spray down and sanitize chalk. And uh, right now people are going to be super paranoid about you um, handing out a big pile of chalk and then them handing it all back in. And what are you doing with that afterwards kind of deal. So either ask your athletes to bring their own piece of sidewalk chalk, uh, or buy a big box and, and ask them to keep it. So, uh, that's a way to do it. Um, that way you can keep score, you can write the workout down in areas, or you can brief it to your athletes. And then if they all have their own little square, they can write down the workout in their own area. They can also write down their scaling options while you're briefing them, that sort of thing, what they're picking, which can actually be kind of cool because a lot of times people are reading off of, you know, whatever your screen or uh, the whiteboard is saying in the gym and they, they, you know, no one's individually scribbling that out. Um, So when you have an individual piece of chalk in your own space, you can write down the scaling option in place of the thing you're scaling it for and makes it a little easier for your athletes to think it through. Uh, Chanel, you got anything for the whiteboard section? Uh, no, the chalk's a really great idea. And if you're not in, if you're in a grass area and you don't have a sidewalk or a parking lot, maybe having pre-printed sheets that you can hand out with just the workout and the scaling options and tell everybody to bring a pen or pencil. And that way they could keep track of the workout and their score and scaling options too. Yeah, that's entirely possible. I mean, everyone's gym situation is a little bit different whether you have access to, you know, being able to do that um, or not. So, yeah, definitely use what use the resources you have at hand and just be efficient and keep it really, really simple. Don't um, don't balance your plan on on something and then um, not have it run and not have it work out for you. For instance, like with that example, you know, it, it'd be good to have a printout for everybody, but don't make your plan contingent on it because I guarantee you your very next class is going to be the one where your printer runs out of ink ahead of time. And then, uh, you're, you're going to have to, you know, spitball something else in a hurry. The, uh, general warmup, general warmup. So this is probably going to be a, a bigger piece, um, for a lot of these workouts because, you're going to have a lot of body weight movements. You're going to kind of have these, depending on what type of workout you're, you're going to be doing for that day. This, of course, depends on your programming. You take the lesson planning course, you know, you're going to um, lengthen or shorten your general warm up depending on, on what you're doing that day. Um, this is a good opportunity, though, to sneak in some of those workouts if you have this ability that are, you know, shorter and more intense, some more like sprint workouts or harder body weight movements that you could do a 21-15-9 with. Whereas I, I know in our gym and in many of the other online classes that I've seen, there's been this tendency over the course of quarantine to beef up workouts into sort of these boot camp style workouts where all of the workouts are 
pretty much in the same time domain. Everything is somewhere between, you know, uh, 12 and 20 minutes um, generally. So obviously that is not, you know, at the heart of CrossFit. We want to have constant variance. We want to train all three metabolic pathways. And so, you know, here we've got the chance to do some hill sprints or uh, something like that where we can really dial up the intensity with some shorter intense stuff. And in order to get ready for that, we'll want a more robust general warm-up. Um, but this is also where you can, you know, get a really good sense of everyone's movement. One of the <clears throat> things that uh, pet peeves I have in the general warm-up and some programming that I've seen is it's just too complicated. There's too many um, time changes and um, uh, you're having Tabatas are, are kind of like this unless you have a Tabata songs kind of thing. But again, you're in a park. You're not going to have any of that technology. So just realize the more time you're looking at your watch trying to not miss that time hack to change exercises – you're not looking at people's movement. And a big thing with the general warm-up is you, this is your chance to see how people are moving, Who's looks like the Tin Man and who is the Supple Leopard. Um, and if you're not watching your athletes because you're watching your watch, then you're kind of missing the point. Um, anything on the general warm-up? I think you covered everything there. Yeah. Then uh, specific warm-up, this is one of those ones where in, in – depending on what the workout is that day, you might be able to steal some time from the specific warm-up to give yourself a little more whiteboard time in your lesson planning, just because the specific warm-up would be where we would be, you know, dialing in the muscle-up transition or, you know, working on those progressions there or, you know, dialing in on technique in the snatch or the clean and jerk or something like that and giving the athletes time to work up to their workout weight or their working set if we're doing a heavy day or something like that. Unless you have an amazing setup of some kind, I doubt you're going to be doing too much of this in uh, in a park workout. So the specific warm-up would be a really good time to – a short and efficient specific warm-up would be a great time to finalize – based on how people were moving in the general warm-up, finalize what their scaling options were that day. This is the time to, to gut check or to use the back briefs like we talked about in the previous episode to double check what you know the athlete has chosen or thinks they want to do for the workout. And the reality sets in of how hot it is outside or how sore they are from the previous workout. Maybe they don't want to do the uh, exercise as prescribed. Maybe they do need a scale or something like that. That's that's what this specific warm-up is going to be really useful for for that. Um, and yeah, like I said, we could steal a little bit of time from there. But, you know, still, still important. This is obviously the most important time between the general warm-up and the specific warm-up to really coach, to see movement correct, um, and, uh, give, give cues. Now that's going to, that's another point that I have down here is the inability to give tactile cues. <laughs> tactile cues are dead. Uh, unless you bring a PVC pipe with you, bring a PVC pipe. You might be able to do some tactile cueing <laughs> from like six feet away, like poke people with a pipe. That might be kind of weird. Um, but again, this goes back to the points we made in the pre-class section here was to be big. You're going to, coaches, you're going to be outside, you can't touch people, and you're going to be more or less limited to verbal and visual cues. So you're going to need to get smart about that. 
and be bigger, more present, and more attention-grabbing because it's especially outdoors with all kinds of other stuff going on around. It's going to be really easy for people to stare off into space, ooh, ball, you know, shiny object. You know, it's going to be very easy to not pay attention to what you're trying to tell them to do. So uh, think about that. Keep it simple and um, try to make your cues short and efficient. The, uh, another good one is to play the what if game, you know, um, or the cue generating game, right? Where you look at your lesson plan ahead of the class and you look at the movements that are, uh, you know, uh, prescribed for that day in the workout and you say, okay, how would I cue someone on this? What are three different verbal cues for a fault in this movement? What are three different visual cues? And and come up with three of each for each movement. I mean, that do that a couple of times and you'll be bulletproof on that. So anything on the specific warm-up, Chanel? No. Scaling and technique. It's a good time to do the, both of those, really drill those. Why don't you talk a little bit about um, the game aspect for the general warm-up? And possibly not really specific warm up, but general warm up. I know we we're, we're going to mention that in the cool down, but we can mention it here in the general warm up too, as an option for people with that general warm up. Yeah, games are. I mean, we use that a lot in the kids' class. Games are a great way, especially if you call it a game. Even if there are workout movements in the game, everybody just has more fun with it, and they're moving and getting a workout in, or getting warmed up, or getting cooled down there's some kind of fun game aspect to it. So it's kind of a mind trick. If someone listening wanted to get an idea of where they would want to look to find good examples of games, like where have you found yours at? Oh, Google, YouTube, CrossFit channels, um, previous what, books. What would you put in a YouTube search bar? Uh, usually I start with CrossFit kids games. And then kind of as you click it, moves around but there's a lot out there already yeah so take some time do some digging there um you know that learn and play new sports thing i i think this is a great time to embrace it you know we don't see a lot of crossfit gyms actually doing that really ever um and you know fitness equipment is essentially completely out of stock at almost everywhere uh around the country or it's inflated to twice its actual value. Um, so now, but you know, what's cheap soccer balls, volleyballs, footballs, basketballs, and, uh, all the school basketball courts and tennis courts and football fields are abandoned right now. That's where we're going to be working out. So I, I guarantee you, I'm going to stop by Walmart and pick up, uh, some cheap, all those, all those things I just listed off are pretty darn cheap. And, uh, so you could easily play a game of tag football with your CrossFit crew, um, or, or soccer or something like that. And it's a great time to actually implement that top piece of the pyramid, um, without, you know, needing to buy a whole ton of dumbbells and haul a bunch of equipment around. And, uh, the workout portion, let's get to that. Actually, before we get to the workout portion, let's talk about the uh, the bathroom break in between. So there's usually a bathroom and logistics break that you would fit into there after the specific warm-up and before the workout. But for many people working out in the park, there might not be bathroom access. Um, so what uh, what do we do about that, Chanel? Do we just all hit the wood line? What are the, yeah. the ladies whip out their weenuses and, and you want to tell everybody what that is? <laughs> 
That's a little device made for, I think it was originally made for females in the military, but it can be used for camping and stuff. Too. Yeah, your, yours was easier in the woods. flat, dark earth color, right? It was tactical <laughs> yeah. tan. Right? Yeah. It's a little cup thing you can buy that lets you pee standing up, right? I mean, I feel like <laughs> right now I, I know our gym, our outdoor workouts are going to be 45 minutes, just reminding people to use the bathroom before and after if you're in the middle of a field. Yeah. But yeah, you're going to be hitting the wood line. Yep. Now, if you're lucky enough, we, we've got three different gyms here. One of which, so the one I'm coaching at here primarily, it, it, we're going to have to go off-site to a, a park to work out. And there's not going to be restrooms uh, mm-hmm. available there. Um, but other CrossFit gyms might have enough outdoor space that they could just do it there outdoors. So, you know, that way you just leave a door open. People can run into the bathroom. Not that big of a deal. So figure it out. And then uh, the workout, I just put down here couplets and triplets. You know, this is going back to um, fundamentals, virtuosity, and mastery, that open letter that um, is in your L1 handbook that I just recorded a few days ago. And that that is in the CrossFit journal, that famous open letter from classmen to affiliates is like, I cannot think of a better opportunity than now to really dial in on that of, Hey, go back to couplets and triplets, task priority, time priority. It's really easy to scale and adapt for people. It is super effective, just as effective as all the convoluted, crazy, weird-ass programming that I've seen out there uh, that other gyms do. Um, and uh, it's it's just as effective and way easier for a coach with an unknown element of equipment and unknown uh, things to adapt to in the moment to deal with than some convoluted takes half a damn page uh, in a syllabus to read the workout and you have to read it four times to figure out how the hell this thing is scored because somebody thought that they needed to do that in order to make it interesting and it's just garbage. So um, for that workout, keep it simple, stupid, like couplets, triplets. That's what it's all about. Occasionally a chipper, go long sometimes, go heavy a couple times a week. We can't do that in the park. So this, we're going to do what we can, right? So uh, anything on the workout, Chanel? Uh, just another thought, if instead of, like you said, a lot of the workouts have been like 20 minutes, 20 minutes, 20 minutes, trying to fill that time gap, but you can still do a really intense short five or 10 minute workout. And then with the extra time you have working on body weight and like gymnastics movements, um, even just simply the, what is it called? Where you're like in an L sit on the floor and you're trying to lift and hold your legs up. Yeah, just um, sit from the floor. Yeah. yeah, just something as simple as that's like flossing, things that we need to be doing. You know, what is it? Slips, a lot of slip stuff. You don't need anything. equipment or anything, but yeah. it's stuff you don't want. You're like, oh, yeah, I should probably balance on one foot for a few minutes. But like, who does that? Yeah, you know? no, and what, what these park workouts, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. No, the, these park workouts are going to expose quickly. Uh, people who are able to coach and people who aren't able to coach, um, especially when you when you dial it back down to a dot com style workout couplet and triplet where we're banging that thing out in three to seven minutes, and then that's what your 
Uh, general warm up was for it, but that's also what your cool down is for. And most gyms just don't even do a cool down. And it's called a cool down in the lesson planning course, but really it's, it's a time where you could do a strength challenge. We could do some hill sprints finishing up that we could do a max L sit hold off the floor or uh, nice. compression drills, planks, any of those slips things that we've been seeing. There's lots of great YouTube videos out there covering slips and uh, stuff that you could work on. You just actually have to be able to coach uh, in order to make that interesting and uh, applicable for people. Um, so work on that. The cool down portion I think is going to be super duper important. This is another place where we could put in kids games. So if you, you know, banged out the workout pretty quick, everyone's huffing and puffing, but is still hanging out and we got some time left. This is a great time to play some fun games and lets people get to know each other a little bit more. And finally, post-class, I just put down make friends and influence people. Like make sure you have time in the schedule left over or, and, or really make an effort to Get people. It should be a challenge for you to see how long you can get people to hang out after your class. You know, you're in a park. Hopefully, it's beautiful weather. You know, figure something out. Talk to people. Be charismatic. Be big. Have presence and attitude. And this is where you build your community. Many of your members have only seen you on a screen for the last couple of months. Uh, we're in a weird situation in that we came on board with this company. And the quarantine happened almost immediately. So a good 85% of the members, I would imagine, know us only from YouTube, know us only from Zoom. So <laughs> they'll recognize us in person, but we've never actually met in person. So that's going to be wild. Um, so I want to take the time to hang out and get to know these people and, and make friends. So that's make sure you have some time carved out for that. Don't schedule three part classes back to back to back, like put some buffer time in between them. Make sure you got an opportunity to hang out with people and reestablish those connections and relationships. All right. You got anything to add on that, Chanel? Well, we're coming up on a little more than 25 minutes now. I like keeping these episodes a little short. I don't think I've ever talked for less than 30 minutes in my entire life uh, on a topic. So I'm making progress, everybody. Uh, this was park workouts talking about keeping it simple. And uh, I'm sure there's a million other fantastic ideas out there for how we could make this better. Thank you for listening to the United by Strength podcast. We hope that you enjoyed the information that we were able to put out today. Please take from it what you want and leave what you don't. If you have feedback for us, please send it to unitedbystrengthpodcast at gmail.com. Please leave us a review if you have the time. It really helps people find the podcast and allows us to grow our base of listeners.